It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You're listening to BGN Radio. I don't know. I've never really thought of it that way. I just think we try to make it a friendly system for the QB, the running back, the O-line, the wide receivers. I think that's your job as a coach. If you make it too complicated where your players don't understand it, therefore they're thinking and they can't go out and execute, then shame on you as a coach. I would say it's any system that's not QB friendly, then there's probably a bad system. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly. And part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have uh, walked our way down to episode number 62. Is that right, guys? Anybody check me on that? Sounds good to me, John. Fair enough. We're still not out of retirement. The podcast must go on. And we thank you for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. And also, LibertyBroadcast.co. As maybe you might have heard, there might have been a little bit of a quarterback change. Uh, and we'll get into that for sure. We've got plenty of stuff to get into. It's a big Monday night, uh, Monday night matchup, rather. And uh, myself, Mr. Patrick Wall, and Dan Kloster will be all live and local at Philly Faithful. It's 4th and Brown. Go check out phillyfaithful.com, and uh, I'm sure there's a post that will link to the uh, show page here. If you want to come and hang out for the viewing party, it's for a really good uh, charity cause for uh, you know the November and uh, there's going to be Yards Beer. Uh, Dan Kloster's more than likely going to be intoxicated. And most of all, we're going to do a post-game 
uh, podcast directly from there. Uh, we'll take, uh, you know, all of your questions and thoughts and things like that. If you want to come down, there'll be a mic ready for you. It's going to be a fun, exciting time. PhillyFaithful.com, Bleeding Green Nation, and uh, good causes. So uh, with that said, let's introduce everybody around the horn. Of course, our man in charge, always here, always bright, and uh, wore a pretty awesome Halloween mask, if I might add, Mr. Brandley Goulton. How are you, sir? Glad to be here. And one thing on the party, make sure you RSVP if you're going to go. Make sure you RSVP at phillyfaithful.com. Uh, yes, very, very important because space is limited and we want everybody to get in there and uh, have a lot of fun. And of course, speaking of fun, the man who I would love to make out with if he was sitting right in front of me, but I'm just going to have to listen to his sexy, sexy tones from 97.5 The Fanatic. Mr. James Zeltzer, how are you, my friend? John, I'm good. The feeling is obviously mutual, especially, I don't know if our, our audience has heard, but you... Uh, Cross streams. I went on the Crossing Streams podcast with Kyle Scott, and uh, something I learned about you: I didn't know that you were smart and funny. It was it was an interesting thing to happen. I wondered why you didn't bring it to our podcast as well. But uh, no, it was it was great. Everyone checked it out. John, you were uh, you were fantastic. Our fearless leader served us well. <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. I, I can hide the dumb every now and again, and uh, some some pleasant thoughts come out of my uh, my stupid face. And of course, you can listen to that on uh, crossingbroad.com and also libertybroadcast.co as it's the latest episode there. But we would not be anywhere else if we didn't have the man, his brain, and all the goodness that he dresses with, Mr. Patrick Wall, the professor. How are you, bud? Good Sanchez the Sanchez, everyone. How are we Sanchez? <laughs> Sanchez, Sanchez, Sanchez. You know, I I don't know. Should we talk about that first, or is everybody a little Sanchez out? I kind of want to bring this up only because it's it's. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit of an undertone. I think, obviously, the quarterback gets most of the attention. It's one of the most important positions in football, unless, of course, like we've been saying, since before the draft that Chip Kelly's found a little cheat code there, and we were talking about that on the last reaction show here. But uh, BLG, a lot of people liked Kelvin Benjamin. I was one of them. Now we get to face him against, uh, you know, uh, as an opponent here, Marcus Smith. I know it's been a big issue for some. Some originally when he was drafted, some still saying that the pick was was uh, well worth it because he need that guy regardless of what happens here. Um, where Where do you feel? Right now, if as as Marcus Smith has gone, uh, kind of come on here uh, as a first round pick, but hasn't really seen the field. Kevin Benjamin has obviously been catching balls and all that good stuff. Granted, there's still some criticisms with him. W- where are you feeling overall right now with the Marcus Smith uh, situation? Uh, I think it's pretty disappointing, and I think anyone is going to say that. I, I think a lot of people aren't ready to write him off, and they shouldn't be. I mean, the guys in his rookie year. You know, you don't cut him after you take him in his rookie year. No one's saying that to any extreme. But it is disappointing he can't get on the field. When you look back, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense why he can't get on the field because he has a lot of outside linebackers in front of him when he was playing there. You know, he has Trent Cole, Brandon Graham, Connor Barwin, Brian Bremen. And the thing is, he can't play special teams or, you know, or maybe he can, but he's just not as good as someone like a veteran is going to be at special teams who just, you know, a guy like Brayman who's been around the league and he, he knows the ins and outs of special teams. So he's not going to get playing time over a guy like that on the back end. But now, you know, he's over at inside linebacker and pro- they said they're going to stick him there for the rest of the year. Uh, he'll, he'll get some rotational snaps in there. But it, it is disappointing you're not seeing a bigger impact. It's just weird that you see a first round pick like this really just not even able to get on the, the the active roster. 
But to your Calvin Benjamin point, <laughs> I am ringing the bell here Uh-oh. because <laughs> because yes, <laughs> <laughs> because. I'm not going to say Kelvin Benjamin is bad because he's not. He's actually, you know, he's second among rookie receivers, almost has 600 yards. He's tied for first touchdowns. He's five. Sucks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> but as you mentioned, there are struggles. Uh, he leads the league in penalties by wide receivers. And that's not just a fluke. I think he, he gets a, away with a lot of pushing off because he sure. can't create separation. Sure. He's six penalties this year. He's tied for third in drops, which obviously that was a big problem coming out. And, just the last week against the Saints, I saw him drop a wide open touchdown pass. So, I mean, you know, you, you can't have that. And he's also, this is the big thing. And this is why I think, I think the Eagles had interest in him because of his, his size. But I think this is the really key thing here. He has one of the worst yards after they catch her reception rate. Like PFF has a stat like that. He, he does not get yards after the catch. And I just don't think that's a great fit for this offense. So, you, you can have your gripes about him and maybe he's going to be a good player. But, you know, I, I, it's funny to me to see people uh, say how wrong, you know, how everyone was wrong about him. I don't think that at all. I think this is the exact same player he was in college. I don't think he's doing anything different. He he has these moments where he's capable of big plays and he, he has these struggles. Sure. Well, and uh, I'm going to counter that because because here's what I'll say to that BLG. And, th- and this is what I honestly believe. You're talking about a Carolina offense that hasn't done diddly and the only thing the only saving grace really is him him and greg olson though the only two things to really throw to there now you say he can't get separation i know that's his biggest thing he's not that great of a route runner doesn't get yards after the catch who does else does that remind you of as a scouting report before coming into this season <laughs> i don't know i don't know who jordan matthews who also uh, had, who, uh, who no also way. who also had problems with drops who also yes. couldn't get separation and who also yes. couldn't get yards after the catch. No, 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 no. He can get yards after the catch. Well, yes, now, he now he can because look at the system if he's in. If you put Calvin Benjamin in this system, I think he has just as much success, if not more, than Jordan Matthews. That's not a rip on Jordan Matthews. I know why they picked him. I would rather have Jordan Matthews here. He's smarter. He understands concepts a lot better. He's a great route runner, all that stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for the value that Marcus Smith was taken at and for what he's seen here is a bad pick, okay? The, I, I, and I'm not saying that towards Marcus Smith as being a bad player, and please don't get that wrong. Marcus Smith as an inside linebacker now who's going to take some time to develop and get there, I really do think he's going to be a really, really good player there, especially now that you know D'Amico's injury happened, which is I think is a lot more impactful than people are leading on here. Uh, I have some other points about this too, but I'm curious about uh, what James is thinking here. Marcus Smith, are you pretty disappointed with the way it's gone so far, or are you just kind of like, hey, that's that sometime happens, and we'll see what happens here in the future? I mean, like, like Brandon said, I mean, any fan or anyone who roots for this team is going to be a little disappointed when you take someone in the first round and and you're not seeing any sort of an impact whatsoever, you're not even seeing him on the field and seeing him progress and and you can have something to, to get excited about. But at the same time, when they drafted this kid, everyone knew he was raw. That was the the thing about him. You know, the, the, the take on him was that he was raw, but that there was a lot of potential there. So I, I really do think you have to give the team, you have to give the kid himself, Marcus Smith himself, 
some time to mature a little bit, mature into the league, mature into the roles that's being asked of him. I mean, he's playing in a, a, a lot different concepts than, than what he did in college. You know, in college, they just said, go get the quarterback for the majority of the time. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really hard to to get too upset about it, especially, I mean, the Calvin Benjamin thing, I agree. I, I think Benjamin's been really good. I think maybe he's a little bit better fantasy player than than real-life player right now. Sure. But, sure. I mean, all the all the tools are there. You know, you, you got to like the kid. But, I, I mean, if you're really going to quibble, I, I think you get more upset that they didn't take Dion, Dion Buchanan who sure. went with the next pick and, and yeah. has made, obviously, a, a big difference in that Cardinals defense. And and even if he's got some flaws, I mean, he's a big kid and, well, and yeah. obviously another, another position of need. So uh, I can get when you can quibble. I get how fans can be upset, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think it's a lost, you know, I don't think he's lost. I think there's still potential there and time for him to reach that potential. I think that's true too. I just think that it's a, at a point now where, okay, you took a guy, you took a guy to develop in the first round. You can't do that. I'm blaming the Eagles. I'm not saying well, Marcus. Well, hold up, John. The point is, is not that you can't do that. The point is, is, can you do that as a team that is trying to win the Super Bowl? That That's really the better question. Sure. I mean, you know, it's if 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 say you know the the Oakland Raiders took a guy that they're going to develop, but he's got all this potential in the world. You're not gonna you're not you're not going to criticize that. But the reason the criticism is coming for this pick is more so because this team is contending. This team needs players right now to go out and win games, and, and you know you're not getting any contribution there. Right, and in three or four years, he could end up being like you know one of the best inside linebackers that that we've seen in a while. And you know if that if that ends up working out, I know we've talked about that a lot. That happens. I think that's much easier going into the draft in the next couple of years trying to fill D'Amico Ryan's spot now because that's a little bit concerning, and we'll get into that as well. Uh, Patrick, any, any thoughts on Marcus Smith and uh, Kelvin Benjamin and where they kind of face out right now? My disappointment with Marcus Smith has nothing to do with Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, I never really thought, first of all, that he was going to be any good, so uh, kudos to you, John, at least uh, halfway through the season. But it just <laughs> seemed to me from what I had read and what I had heard uh, that Kelvin Benjamin just wasn't going to be a fit for Chip Kelly. So the fact that they didn't draft him didn't really upset me. Um, Marcus Smith, you know, if ever there were a time you needed him to show up, it's been in the last month. And the radio silence that we've gotten on the Marcus Smith front has been really disappointing. I mean, you don't expect your first round pick to come out and play lights out. But there is a certain expectation with being picked that high that, you know, there is a certain level of readiness that comes with that player. And when you lose both of your inside linebackers, I mean, you could probably count on two hands a number of snaps the uh, D'Amico and Kendricks played together all season. I mean, it's been really disappointing that that your supposedly versatile uh, first round pick linebacker can't can't crack the lineup. Like not only can he not start, which would be one thing. He's the fourth linebacker on the depth chart. I mean, that's just, that's unacceptable. He's, you know, he's got to try to figure something out the rest of the season and really attack the offseason when we get there. Well, that's the thing, too. And I think, again, I don't blame him, but it's just, if a guy can't contribute at all and you take him that high, I just, I don't even think it's worth doing as a need. Like, I know he was supposed to come in here as an outside linebacker. I, I get that. This this experiment hopefully will pan out and work. I just you have to be on the field at some point if you're going to go in that 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 order. And I, I'm sorry, I just maybe I'm out on an island by myself, but 
you have to be able to contribute no matter what. I wouldn't have cared if he's only playing special teams, but at least he'd be playing special teams. James, of course, this is uh, this is the other big thing that's happening this week. Uh, just like we talked about at the top of the show, Mark Sanchez taking over. We've had uh, you know several different opinions all across all across BGN, all across the uh, uh, the airwaves and all that good stuff. I know you weren't a, a huge. In fact, you hated the signing in the off season. So. Uh, this is what I want to get to first. How are you feeling about Mark Sanchez on Monday night? Uh, well, l- I'll get to Monday night in a second. Let me first offer a, a minor mea culpa. I-, I definitely bashed the signing when they made it. Yeah, I just I don't understand the move. Like, I, it's fine. I get what what Mike and Brand are saying. It's a low risk move, not a lot of money, most likely. Uh, you know, potentially the third string quarterback. Uh, but I mean, why, why Mark Sanchez? I, I like what I've seen out of this guy. I mean, look, no, none of us, I, I don't, I think anyone who's, who's jumping in full force, a hundred percent is, is deluding themselves. But you know, you, you, it's very easy with the way Sanchez left New York to forget the good that he did do. I mean, this guy has won four road playoff games. You know, I mean, he has had big wins in big games with absolutely zero weapons. Sean Green was his running back. You know, he's the, the, here's a list of the guys he's thrown playoff touchdowns to. Three to Dustin Keller, two to Braylon Edwards, who had one good season. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson at the end of his career. Santonio Holmes twice when Santonio was not the same Santonio Holmes. And Jericho Cotri. I mean, that's the the bevy of weapons that this guy was saddled with. <laughs> and and he found a way to win four playoff games and go to two AFC championship games. So um, I, I think that I, I was wrong to kind of jump to that conclusion based on being colored by what, you know, how his career in New York ended. And yeah, I think everything we've seen out of him, you know, who knows what he's going to do. I think anyone who say, says they can know for sure he's going to be great or bad or whatever is just is is it's all hypothesizing. No one really knows, but I think you got to feel good about it right now. I think you got to feel good going into Monday night. I think this is a nice defense for him to get his first crack at. Not a very good defense right now. And and I think that he's in, you guys talked about it. You talked about it on the, the Monday recap show. You talked about it on crossing streams. This offense is really built to, to help quarterbacks make quick decisions, easy decisions, and to just kind of move the ball down the field. And I just feel like Sanchez is going to be able to do it. I, I have confidence in the guy, at least to a certain point. Uh, I think he's got charisma. I think he can lead a huddle, or even though they don't really huddle. Uh, I think he could be a leader of men. Um, so I, I feel pretty good about it, man. I, you know, uh, I heard it on the radio. I think it was Harry Mays said on, on Monday morning that usually when a, when a quarterback goes down, a starting quarterback, you have this immediate sense of, of total dread. The season is over. Everything is lost. And as much as I love Nick, I'm a Nick guy and and I wish he hadn't have gotten hurt, but you didn't have that feeling. You didn't feel like, Oh God, our season is over. And I think that's a testament to what we've seen out of Sanchez so far here and just kind of what this offense is. So I I feel pretty good going into Monday night. I think that's kind of a, a thing with we're a little spoiled in Philadelphia, to be honest with you. I mean, we've had backup quarterbacks come in here, go up, uh, go on, playoff runs and fill in and win games we've now we had three in one season that shouldn't have been on an nfl roster coming in and save like a a tremendous run and then uh, you know take us into the super bowl there but the, yeah i'm patrick how where are you on this because there's i i guess i i i know i think i know but I, i'm just curious how are you feeling about mark sanchez uh leading this team for the next six games or whatever it is i feel like there are the mike mcmahon's of the world there are the jeff garcia's of the world and then there's Mark freaking Sanchez. Like, 
I really have no idea how to feel about this because, like you said, we have been so lucky with backup quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, the guys I just said, A.J. Feely, Coy Detmer. I mean, guys who've been able to come in and play well. And, you know, fairly, I think uh, Sanchez has been compared to them all week. But I don't really think the situations are the same. In those situations, you knew there was a clear-cut starter in Donovan McNabb. And you knew that those guys were coming in as placeholders. And that when McNabb was back, that McNabb was going to get his job back. A lot of fans for the last month have been calling for Nick Foles' job. It kind of almost felt like Sanchez coming in was like, yeah, okay, it's time for this to happen. It sucks. It's by injury. But that's why I don't think there was that feeling of of doom because (laughs) Nick Foles is playing like a bottom five quarterback and he got replaced. He got injured, which sucks. And you don't want that to happen. But as for how I feel about it, this whole thing is just still hilarious to me. I wish I could have a more professional take on it, but I said it when they signed him. I feel like I should be really pissed about this, but I just think it's hysterical. Like big balls chip indeed, you know, it's like, it's almost like a win-win for the Eagles. If he plays well and the Eagles go into the playoffs, Maybe we win our first Super Bowl with Mark freaking Sanchez. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> well, and if he plays poorly, who cares? It's Mark Sanchez. Yes, yes. So like, and all, I'm just, I'm totally along for the ride. I'm <laughs> and it, and, totally and like just, whatever happens. Who doesn't love a redemption story in oh, sports? I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean, this guy was at the lowest of the low with the butt fumble and all this stuff. And now he gets a chance to, to revive his career, to rewrite his story. I, I mean, it's, it's. It's, uh, you know, great theater. And it's weird, too, because a lot of the New York media starting to peek their heads out. I know they sent a couple of guys down to cover practice and stuff because obviously he's here and they, you know, they want to they want to take a peek. But in a weird term. And their team is one and eight. Exactly. What, <laughs> what, 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 right about up there. <laughs> yeah. What else? Gonna fire do? John Idzik columns. Can you write? Yeah, seriously. Um, but it's uh, it's a weird turn, I think, for a lot of a lot of Jets fans, at least I've noticed. Uh, have been like, yeah, no, that's good. I think he's going to be really well there. And the latter reporters and stuff like that too. And it's very interesting. And I know we got into a couple of discussions on the on the website um, and some good points were made, I thought, back and forth. And Brandon, I'm curious, have you noticed, and I know we've only had three quarters of, of watchable game tape and stuff to kind of make judgments on here, but I noticed a couple of times that the Houston's outside linebackers would hold maybe for that extra half a second and it looked like they backed off a little bit rather than keep trying to crash in on the running game. Obviously, the offensive line is going to be at its healthiest point that it's been since the first quarter of you know week one here. Do you think Mark Sanchez impacts the run game at all or not at all? Yeah, I think he does it both directly and indirectly. Directly by the fact that, yes, I think he does keep the outside linebacker or whoever the quarterback is reading in that situation a little more honest than Nick Foles does. Uh, Mark Sanchez's career long is actually less than Nick Foles, but <laughs> yeah, how about that? Uh, it's 25, and I was talking about it with uh, some of the other BGN guys this week, and we're like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to set the over-under for a Mark Sanchez run this season at 25. I think he's going over at some point. I think yeah. he, there's going to be this Mark Sanchez run. Anyway, uh, I do think he keeps him a little more honest, but and that's the direct effect. The indirect effect is the fact that you have Mark Sanchez at quarterback and they're not going to be eager to put a huge workload on him early. Although, you know, they did air it out last week to Macklin right away. So it's not like they're going to totally shy away from the pass. But I think they are going to lean more on the run, not just because Sanchez is in, although that's a big part, but also because you are getting 
as Dan mentioned on the review show, you are getting uh, Evan Mathis back this week. You're shifting Matt Tobin over to right guard. So you have your to what? Iowa! Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You have to mention that, right? So you have Tobin in there. You have the full offensive line. You know, I, I think they really are going to rely on the run here. And I think that's going to make Sanchez a pretty effective passer because you're going to have that play action. Uh, I really think he can do a good job. I it, I can't believe, like Patrick said, we're, we're at this point. I remember, I clearly remember that that night or that the podcast we did. I think it was the night they signed him. And we were all just laughing. We were just sitting here. It was a hot summer night. And we're just like, they just signed Mark Sanchez. And I, I would love to go back and listen to our take. Brandon Lee Gouton, what's your initial reaction to the Mark Sanchez signing? Well, you bring up charts. And I have to bring this up first. Like, we just have to get this out of the way right now. Uh, there's this interesting chart that SB Nation put together last year in this post about Mark Sanchez. And if you look at it, you know, it, it's a it's like a big table of all the quarterbacks who have started at least four seasons in NFL history. And right there, all the way at the bottom, that little small number at the bottom is Mark Sanchez. Just perfectly dead last. It's certainly not an exciting move, but it's kind of just like, all right, whatever. You, you had to bring in a guy, so you brought in a guy. I'm going to sort of piggyback on what Brandon was saying earlier. This is my favorite Mark Sanchez stat. In the modern era, there have been three quarterbacks who have started more than 60 games and thrown 60 interceptions over that period of time. And they are Carson Palmer, Peyton Manning, and Mark Sanchez. Weird. Two of those guys are USC guys. And of those three, two of them threw 100 touchdowns in that span. Guess which one didn't? <laughs> Sanchez. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. That was, no. oh, that was perfect. John, you should even, maybe you should you even just go back to that show. And, I'm going to drop and, that in right yeah, now. Yeah, drop the audio, man. <laughs> yeah, that's and brilliant. That's that, brilliant. That would be great because I would just love to hear what we said. But uh, it's crazy. I think, you know, it, I really don't think it's that crazy to say they can still contend and they could win a Super Bowl, which would be the most like troll thing ever. Sanchez <laughs> winning a Super Bowl. But well, I don't think it's crazy just because of the fact that they've had this offense this year. They still have Chip Kelly. Uh, the run game might be rejuvenated. The defense hasn't been able to hold together. And then the special teams is the best unit in the league. And I've been saying that since the beginning of the season. If the offense can rebound, you have a good enough defense, and the special teams is best in the league, which makes up for any any deficiencies elsewhere, I, I really think they still have a shot at this thing. Yeah, it's – um. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of different people who think I'm in love with Mark Sanchez. And I'm I'm really not. I But I, I think I'm – I might be even too excited that he's starting. Like I'm, I, I really because this transcends football, John. I, I, it is because I think I'm on the side of Patrick here. No matter what happens, it's gonna be great. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be great. fun, man. Uh, and you would, you were, John, you I, wouldn't be I, the first man? man or woman to fall in love with Mark Sanchez. I'm sh- <laughs> hey now, very true. <laughs> and let me say, let me say for a second, we've been talking all season. Matt touched on it. He had a great little uh, diatribe on the review show where he said. Watching Nick Foles made you feel like a crazy person. Yes. I feel like we were about to get the anti that. We're like, we're going to like anytime something good happens in the passing game, we're all just going to be like Mark Sanchez just made an awesome play. We are watching Mark Sanchez revive his career. It's just going to be fun. It's going to be something like totally bizarre and like. The national media is going to have a great time with it. If he plays well, you can just I can already see the like Aaron Andrews interview before, you know, the the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving 
Like it's just gonna be it's gonna be a fun <laughs> two months, guys. I'm yeah, so excited. You're right, man. You're you've already seen like like John said, you've already seen the media presence increase. You know, yeah. it, it's 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 a story. I, yeah, the the boomer like I'm just waiting. I can hear it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody circles the wagons like Mark Sanchez and Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, like the whole dirty <laughs> Sanchez for the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One other thing I wanted to point out real quick about the Sanchez thing, and uh, and BLG touched on it a little bit. Maybe putting putting Mark in kind of creates an 06 Eagles thing where we'd been yelling at Andy Reid to run the ball with Westbrook for for years, and as soon as the quarterback goes out and you put Garcia in. The offense looked completely different because they went back to doing what they were good at, which is running the ball. And comparing Chip Kelly to Andy Reid is completely unfair. <laughs> Heresy. Heresy. It's totally unfair. They're two different schools of, of play calling, I think. But maybe with all of these sort of these, the, the stars aligning in that respect, getting the line back, getting your running backs healthy, getting a new quarterback. I think I think we have a real potential to see this team sort of fulfill its own offensive destiny and play the way that it was created to play. And I think it might end up making Mark Sanchez look even better than he would have in the system. Just being himself throwing 40 times a game. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know. And in this, and this is nothing, nothing that Patrick's actually saying here. I think that here, I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Mark is going to have some success in here. And I think he's the whole team as a whole is going to, have a kick-ass Monday night game. The run game's going to look great, um, and Mark will look great, but they'll be like, oh, well, look at it now. That's because, you know, he's got the run game back. He's got all those other tools. I don't know. I'll be the first one to criticize him if the, if it really is, like, a complete regression or it's even worse than Nick Foles, but I got to tell you, I, I, I just think because of the way this offense works once again that Mark's going to put up incredible numbers, and um, it's not all him, obviously, but... Just that whole that whole thing that we've been talking about, the competence of just moving your feet and moving up and finding the wide receiver and being a little quicker with decisions, I think makes a big, big difference moving forward in this offense and it might be a, a blessing in disguise here. And that's no discredit to Nick Foles because I think he's an incredible guy and an incredible quarterback. I think he still has um, uh, definitely a career. Uh, whether or not it's going to be here in Philadelphia, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, best situation is to have uh, these two guys back and maybe duke it out at the end of the year. I really want to try and break down what the Eagles are going to do to Carolina guys, but I have little to no respect for really either side of the ball except for Cam Newton. I, and that's, and I, and I would being, I would be lying if I said anything else here, but, um, BLG, do you see any huge problems against Carolina? No, <laughs> that's what I mean. I honestly, I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about this game and I'm like, I just don't see how the Eagles lose this game. And and that's, I don't think that's me being overconfident. I just, I really, I've not been impressed with this Panthers team all off season. You know, I I had them pegged as did many to regress because I really thought that defense was going to take a step back. Uh, You know, people often point out how advanced metrics say defenses typically they're not sustainable. They, they can fluctuate. Uh, you know, I really thought, and then they they lost a couple of players, and then they already had uh, thin talent at wide receiver. You know, S- Steve Smith is gone. They lose a couple other guys. At one point in the off season, they had Marvin McNutt like <laughs> starting on their depth chart, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Like, like this team isn't going to be any good. Like, th- and then and then they signed Jason Avant and Jericho Cotri. 
to replace the the no one that they had. And, you know, all due respect to Jason Devon, great guy, but I mean, he was just toast in Philadelphia last year. So I am really just not impressed with this team. Cam is struggling. I think the key thing for the Eagles is going to be, I think they're going to be okay on offense. I think they'll move the ball. I think the key thing on defense is to do exactly what they did against Kaepernick in the 49ers game, which is they, they totally just were content with making him, uh, trying to make uh, Kaepernick beat, beat him, beat the Eagles defense with his arm. You know, they, they, they did allow rushing yards because he's going to get his yards when he gets the chance. But, but they're for the most part, they just tried to make him uncomfortable, just gave him a lot of time to throw and try to beat him with his, to, to make them beat him with his arm. And uh, I really think that's the key here. I think you just have to to make Cam beat you through the air. Like Brandon said, I mean, you worry about Cam. He's the kind of player, and he's looked real bad the last few weeks. So I'm not really worried about this. But in theory, Cam could just step up and have an otherworldly type of performance. He's not a very good matchup for the Eagles defense. Uh, you know, I guess he's not really a good matchup for any defense if he's really on. Um <laughs> And, you know, Luke Keekley on the defensive side of the ball is is one of the best players in the league. You always got to watch out for that guy. But it, I'm with Brandon. I mean, I just don't see a lot to like about this team. I mean, they're 26 in the league against the rush, you know, 29th when you look at per, uh, yards per play, 4.8 yards per carry they're giving up on defense. I mean, 17th against the pass. Just, just not a very good football team right now. They don't, you know, they, there's really nothing to be scared of, really. I, I, you know, and, and you hate that feeling. It always worries you. But I... Monday night at the link, it's just defensively, offensively, they, you know, outside of Calvin Benjamin, who we already discussed, uh, you know, some of the flaws there, they just really don't have many weapons either offensively or defensively. So, no, I, I don't I don't see a way that the Eagles fail yeah, on I, Monday. Yeah, I don't even even with Cam. I mean, that offensive line is putrid. That secondary is horrible. Uh, they have no running game. It's like- yeah, and the O line is beat up too. That you know, we don't know if 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 Byron Bell's playing, if Amini Silatolo's playing, if right. uh, you know they, they're Trey Turner. I mean, they got some guys who are banged up who might be back. But like you said, even when they are back, they're not that good to begin with. Yeah, and the only thing to be worried about, and I thought this was hilarious in typical Mike K fashion, he wrote an article today saying that uh, I'm a, I'm really confident and I'm a little really worried that I'm too confident. And so that's what I'm worried about. I was like, God, God almighty, just be, say, just say the Eagles are going to beat the Panthers and be, and go with it. Good, sir. It's okay. It's okay to feel confident against crappy teams. It's what Chip Kelly should do. Uh, Patrick, anything to add, bud? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to see Jeremy Macklin uh, break 150 yards again. Uh, whoa, I like it. <laughs> hot, hot take. Jeremy Macklin's good at football. <laughs> uh, I'll add on to that hot take. Uh, Jordan Matthews scores a touchdown. You know. Boom! Uh, but just uh, one, w- uh, maybe more. I'm just saying that connection uh, was strong in the preseason in training camp. I got a feeling that kind of peppers up a little bit there. But uh, speaking of peppering up, uh, we're winding down. But you didn't think we'd go away without giving you our NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money touching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And of course, uh, the one and only time that I think James Zelter was uh, ice cold was last week. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, just just ah. brutal. That, uh, that was rough. Yeah, Miami oh, games. I've good this year. Like, I, this is one of my better picking seasons I've ever yeah. had. I've been, 
I've had multiple weeks where I've nailed two, three games at a time, but that was about as bad a, a pig's week as I could have possibly had. Well, uh, since uh, we'll give it up to uh, to the man that's probably still the leader of the season, even though he had a bad week. We'll start with you, good sir. Where are we going first, my friend? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a 180 here, and and last week I, I told you to pick the Chargers against the Dolphins, getting points in Miami. Um, I, I was as wrong as wrong can be. I'm gonna flip it around, and I'm gonna put my trust in those same Dolphins this week. I'm going the other side, head to Detroit. Uh, a tough game. Uh, Detroit's a three point favorite. Vegas saying, listen, these teams are pretty much the same. Um, I just like the way the Dolphins are playing right now, as we saw against the Chargers, 37 to nothing. I mean, the, the Miami's a good road team. You know, it's not like being at home is a huge difference for them. Uh, and on top of that, I know Detroit's coming off a bye, but I just have not been impressed by this Detroit team. I know the defense is good, but outside of that, I, I've really seen nothing offensively to, to scare me. I know Calvin Johnson comes back, but I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, after, after coming with all this analysis last week and just being so dead wrong, I'm going with a gut feel here. I'm taking the, the Dolphins, and I'll, I'll take the points, but I think they win the game outright. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's my horrible coffee cup of a bell. Say, ring the bell! I'll take the home team uh, coming off the bye. I, uh, I do think Calvin Johnson has more of an impact there on that Dolphins defense. I don't think it's a bad defense. I actually do think it's a little bit of a better fantasy defense than real-life defense, and it's getting... It's secondary, it, though. It get, they, they get... Good secondary. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I just, uh, I, I, I think I like Detroit in this one in a squeaker, so I'll go ahead and head with that. And of course, we'll go back to uh, Mr. Patrick Wall. Who do you? Where are we going next, sir? Let's go to scenic Tampa Bay, where the Buccaneers are plus three at home Wait, against I division gotta, gotta, rival. A, did you t- did you say uh, Tampa Bay was scenic? Yeah, you know, if you like math. <laughs> So uh, Tampa Bay is uh, hosting our, our three Tampa Bay listeners just shut the podcast <laughs> off. Tampa Delphia, baby. Suck it. Uh, so Tampa is playing Atlanta this week in a battle that I just know everybody wants to watch. Uh, yeah. Tampa plus three. You know what? They both suck. Tampa's at home. They're desperate. Mike Evans is uh, is is showing up. I will take the Buccaneers outright Whoa. against the Falcons. Oh, Somebody ring that bell on me. Ring the bell! <laughs> uh, you, you might think that Bobby Rainey is going to just slice up the, this Atlanta Falcons uh, defense, which has given up probably uh, the most yards to any running back any time that they play. But uh, That's coming from the, the, the leader of the Bobby Rainey fan club, no less. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, I'm just not feeling it. I think Josh McCown is a bigger impact there than... Uh, the uh, people are actually giving it. I know the Tampa Bay offense wasn't that great to begin with. I know the Falcons defense isn't that great either. Something's got to give here. I say the Atlanta Falcons win by a touchdown. Uh, I am going to head on to probably one of the next games of the week here. I'm going to head to that uh, awful, sunny, also meth-infested Phoenix, Arizona. And I am going to, uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home. They're giving up a hefty, seven to the St. Louis Rams, but uh, I like them in this division game. I think that the uh, the defense is there to basically shut down any type of run game that is uh, is flatling in, in St. Louis. I know that Trey Mason and uh, Benny Cunningham are trying to do something down there. I don't think it's enough, and, um, you know, the man who uh, Matt Daring thinks should wear diapers all the time, Mr. Bruce Arians, comes out uh, with a more than a touchdown win here. 
Mr. BLG, I saved you for last for an important reason. Where are we going next, my good friend? Before we get to that, I do want to point out that I did have a good week last week. I did yes. take the Raiders plus 15. Raiders! I, couldn't, I couldn't believe they were getting that many. Believe it or not, the Raiders are winless, but they are not the worst team in football. Best. They have only the fourth worst point differential. So they're kind of a sneaky play down there because they're not that terrible. They're pretty bad, but they're not the worst. And I didn't pick it on the podcast, but I wish I did. I had it in my picks post. I had the Patriots outright. Nice. That's a nice call there. And why would you bet against New England? But anyway, I'm getting (laughs) off topic. My pick this week is the Philadelphia Eagles, and I can't believe. I'm I'm looking at the line now, and they're – they're actually it went up. It, it went up. to to yeah to to uh, they're seven point favorites now. But earlier they were six point favorites. But it doesn't matter. I'll take them if they're ten point favorites. The Eagles are going to beat the Carolina Panthers. Look, we already talked about it. They're just the, the Panthers just aren't good. The Eagles are eight and zero in their last regular season home games. They've outscored opponents two hundred sixty eight to one forty seven in that time frame. That's an average of. 33 and a half points compared to 18 and a half. So they're winning roughly by an average of 15 points in those last 18 games. You have to take the Eagles with the seven points as seven point. Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm also going to add a bonus pick here too, because I think we need to just talk about this just briefly. I don't care what the line is. Cause it's not posted. Obviously if they're, they're waiting to know if Romo is starting or not, which is atrocious either way that he's in London, I'll take the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, with whatever points that they give them, because I know they're not going to be favored. I don't even care, because I think Dallas sucks really bad with Brandon Whedon. Really, really bad with Brandon Whedon. Um, Why, guys, on earth is Jerry Jones flying out his franchise quarterback that has a broken back to London, regardless if he's playing or not? It it doesn't make any sense. This is the beauty of this. I mean, first of all, uh, it's an AFC game. So even if the Cowboys win, I know every win counts in the, in a 16 season, but really if you lose an AFC game and you're an NFC team, it's really not the end of the world because you know, those, those NFC tiebreakers and your division tiebreakers matter a lot. So even if they do win, it's, it's really not the most valuable win in that sense. And here's the thing you're risking that knowing that, knowing that it's not even that great of a win, even if you do beat the Jaguars and if you're not confident enough to start Brandon Whedon, who is your backup against the Jaguars. Why is he even on the team? The Jaguars lead the NFL in sacks and quarterback hits. It is a given that Tony Romo is going to be hit if he starts the game. Maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't get hurt more. Who knows? That remains to be seen. But he's going to get hit. That is just a fact. It's going to happen. I just I have no idea why the Cowboys are are just. It just just doesn't make any sense to me. BLG, let me let me give you five words that that kind of sum it all up. Thank <laughs> God for Jerry Jones. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank God for this guy. Yeah, what is he doing? It's insanity. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, crazy. But there's no reason to take this guy over there. Like you said, it's an AFC game. Even then, you're saying that your team can't beat the Jaguars. On a neutral field, you are six and three, hoping to make a playoff run this year, and you're saying you can't go over there and beat the Jaguars without Tony Romo. Uh, it shows no confidence in the team. It shows 
And, and it just, it's just stupid. It's just not a smart move. I, I just, I don't get it all. I'm with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, like whatever you guys think about Mark Sanchez, just remember you could have had Brandon, Brandon Whedon. So, I mean, that's, you got to, that's got to make it feel good at some point. I know we're running out of uh, time here. So quickly, very quickly, final thoughts and predictions of BLG. We're going Eagles 34, Panthers 17. John, I, I was terrible in my, in my, NFL picks last week, but I did take the Eagles 31 to 21. Boom. Pretty close. I, I'm with BLG. I think it's easier this week. I was going to go a little bit higher for the Eagles. Same for the, the Panthers. I'm going to say 38 to 17. Birds. BLG stole mine, so I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go uh, 34 20. Birds. 34 20. Birds. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something nuts here. I'm going to hang a 50 on them. Woo! I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say 51 to 21. Eagles win. I. I. I just. So how many touchdown passes for Mark Sanchez? Is he gonna equal Ben over the last two weeks, John? No, I actually think. <laughs> I only think Sanchez throws like two, three max, and I think it's all that three-headed monster on the ground. As Dan Closter would say, "Run that rock, baby," because it's gonna be a freaking nightmare. I think the turnovers are going to be high. I think they're going to have really good field position. This is the Bears game from last year. Bookmark it, and hopefully uh, we'll all enjoy it. And once again, we'll be down at Philly Faithful. That's at 4th and Brown right there in beautiful Northern Liberties in Philadelphia, right by my old neighborhood, which I miss dearly. And uh, me, myself, Patrick Wall, Dan Klossner. I think we'll have Mike Cave via Skype. And uh, Dan from Philly Faithful join us, plus your questions and more live and in person all on the next BGN Radio. For myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Patrick Wall, James Zelter, and of course, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton, we thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, LibertyBroadcast.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.